<laughs> I have hit record. Has has your bitchy ass hit record? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. My, my bitchy ass. Your bitchy ass. I Must said be it. Like looking into a mirror. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're friends. That's why we're friends. <laughs> okay, are we ready to clap? Why are we friends? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I don't think I even like you anymore. It's been too long. <laughs> all, all your toxic Marvel takes. God. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm so bad. All right, are we ready to clap? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three. So I'm glad that we went there for this episode. <laughs> it, it's one of those days, y'all. That reminds me. Do you have a D6 handy? A six-sided yeah. die? Can you Why? roll it for me, please? Oh, my God. Okay. Hold on. No, that's my that's my box of D10s. Hold on. Oh, God. I have to. I have a whole other box. Hold on. I get storytelling, storytelling games. Your D10s. Okay, okay, okay. I have a D6. I'm roll. I, but I just you want me to just roll it? Just roll it. Go for it. Go for it. Four. Uh, okay. <laughs> what did I just roll for? Uh, for, you, for your quote for this episode? I couldn't narrow it down. I, I, you know, the same problem I had with Dark Side Divas, I, uh, I, I'm ha- I had on this episode because there was a lot. There was a lot. Okay, so... Um, Heads, before we get into this, before yes. we get into this whole thing, um, I would like to apologize in advance to our audience. I'm going to try and edit out as much of my snot-related misery as I can. But as I was explaining to Chris this morning when we recorded Dark Side Divas, uh, there has been a shift change at the Swingers Club that is the atmosphere over the state of Texas. <laughs> Before, when it was the cedar pollen arboreal bukkake party all over my face, that was one thing. That was a certain kind of misery. The kind where, like, it gets down in your ears and it itches on the inside of your skull. That kind of misery. Um, but we've changed out now. And so there's a whole new, there's an oak bukkake party going on. And so that's just all snot all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, that's that's my suffering. That's where I'm at right now going into this episode is with that level of misery. I just wanted to apologize. I just uh, I just have mental health issues as usual. So there's nothing special about me this week. There's nothing I can do to edit that out. No. No, I no. can't. <laughs> in fact, it's what makes the show so entertaining. <laughs> Why is Chris spontaneously laughing and then crying? Well, you see, he's insane. <laughs> dance for us, fool. Dance. I know. <laughs> dance, Entertain monkey, us dance. with your sadness. <laughs> oh, I'm just a broken child. That's all I am. I'm a 40-year-old broken child. Anyway, um, no, but best of luck finding a new therapist. Uh, it's worse than dating, y'all. In fact, it's so bad. <laughs> if I can I for every like for every like therapist, I could find like fifteen one night stands in the amount of time it takes me to find just one to talk to me, much less one I'm gonna like. You know. Well, that's because your one night stands don't are less qualified. 
Are they? Like there's, are they really? There's not. There's not as many. Like, okay, are you are you checking their references? Are you yes, making? Are you verifying their education level? Their expertise. Uh, expertise, yes. And expertise, yes. I said yeah. as soon as I said it, I was like, no, yeah, that that tracks. Actually. Yeah, yeah, because there's re- there's reviews now. <laughs> yeah. Man, gay apps are the wave of the future. Yeah, there's a there's a new one I'm beta testing. I'm not allowed to say the name of it apparently, but like you can leave re- you can leave reviews just like if you're an escort. That's awesome. And it's... I'm a I'm a five out of five so far. How many reviews have you got? One. And it may <laughs> but be that's me. a good it, one. And it may be me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you can't leave you a good review, then that should be a. <laughs> Fucking red flag for everybody else. If you can't be your own champion. You can't expect anybody else to do it either. By the way, y'all, if you can give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, so are you? Are we ready to dive into? The are we ready fucking... to intro the show? <laughs> this this the thing I I almost feel bad, but like we are who we are, right? Yeah. I we're gonna talk about all of that bullshit um, and grotesquerie, and and now we're gonna try and talk about Agent Carter, which really is a classy show, and so uh, it really uh, is. But uh, <laughs> shot in the dark uh, is a view in the dark. A view in the dark. Sorry. Um, uh, you know, funny story. There is a typo where on a Marvel website, it's called this episode's called "Shot in the Dark." So I have in a couple of my notes. There's a lot of confusion about that, and um, I found a really terrible movie trailer for one of those uh, <laughs> called uh, Pink Panther movies. Oh, but those but, were fun. Uh, and extremely sexist, which I totally oh, forgot yeah. about. Yeah. And racist, let's not forget. Oh my god, yes. So, oh yeah. Yeah, there's a Pink Panther movie, it's shot in the dark. It is super problematic, and I kind of mm-hmm. want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's It belongs on the same shelf. Those movies belong on the same shelf as, like, you know, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, god. Um. So, hey, do we want to... <laughs> intro the show. <laughs> Shall we intro the show? Let's All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show. And, um, Chris. Are you fucking kidding me? Look, it's been a day. The bukkake ain't preventing you from being clever. <laughs> I can't believe I said that aloud. <laughs> Look, I'm not like you. It doesn't fuel my soul the way it fuels yours. That's how I wake up in a day. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> That's how I keep my pores so tight. All right, will you go? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Chris. I am a big old homo. It's true. It's true. And Stephanie. Uh, You're a five star homo. I'm a five star homo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Stephanie, uh, tease on unless you want to go another round with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Uh, uh, And can you please wear the uh, wrestling outfit? Because that was 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 nice. That's a nice little onesie you got there, Jarvis. (laughs) It looks just like mine. What? Nothing. I'm just processing a mental image. Mm -hmm. I'll be okay. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah. 
Do you feel beautiful in it? Yeah, even though you need a lot of baby powder. (laughs) (laughs) I encourage this behavior. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, So do we have anything to discuss before we dive into why we're here today? Uh, No. Uh, Well, I do want to briefly shout out to everybody. Um, You know, we've been getting questions. I don't know if you know this, Stephanie, but we've been getting questions about Moon Knight. And we did talk about it briefly on Divas Unleashed. That will come out on our YouTube channel next week. Uh, but the TLDR is, I fucking love it, and I cannot wait for Stephanie oh to watch the second fucking episode so we I, can talk I'm about gonna it. I'm going to watch it. You know what? I have, I've had a meeting. Okay, so here's the thing, y'all. Those Uh-oh. of you who are not Chris, i got to tell you. The standing arrangement in this in my household, uh, because I, I we are a family of four, the standing arrangement has been uh, when new shows come out that everybody's interested in, nobody can watch them ahead of time. We all have to wait until we can all watch it together. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Uh, we did that all the way through the fucking Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and all of the Disney Plus shows, WandaVision and, uh, and Loki and, you know, all, all of that shit. Okay. There was always a waiting game. Um, and it got really bad during the Bad Batch. Oh my uh, because, God. Because, yeah, the spoilers were rampant. And so that was, that was always the, the standing deal. But like now, it's like, I would like to be able to talk about it. And there are times when I kind of need to be able to talk about it because I don't know, I've got like a YouTube show and a podcast and stuff, but yeah. I can't talk about the current content because I haven't seen it yet because I love my family so much. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, we did have a family meeting about it and I was able to negotiate, uh, that I may watch it as soon as it comes out, but I may keep it to my fucking self and say not a fucking thing about it until the family gets to all sit down and watch it together. I love that. Yeah. I need I'll, to keep my damn mouth shut is in the contract now. So uh, so you finally chosen your career over your family. Welcome to the dark side, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome I to am, my life. <laughs> I am a capitalist now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do we, we don't have any reviews or anything? We have two, we have two reviews. I'm so, okay. Go ahead. Why, why did I bring it up? I know. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. Uh so uh, apparently uh, Stephanie has alerted alerted to me that some of y'all have been submitting reviews, but they haven't been showing up because apparently there's some kind of weird-ass regional thing. Right. Uh, so we've had a few of our listeners uh, overseas uh, get, leave us reviews, and I haven't seen it. So if I've right. if I've missed your your review, y'all, I am so so sorry. Just you know, you can message us on the social medias, and we'll you know. We're, we'll get to it. We're not. We're not mm-hmm. being assholes by not reading your review. Um, we so. just literally can't see it. So yeah, go yeah, ahead and send yeah. us a screenshot. So, yeah. So speaking speaking of one of our oldest listeners, Super Sam Seventeen has <laughs> sent Sam. us a great review, and it's like a couple months old. So I'm so sorry about that, Super <laughs> Sam. Uh, but uh, they left a review. The best get better. <clears throat> the Divas team is my total favorite podcast for mixing knowledge and humor. And every week, I check every hour for their next episode to drop. And that Aww. was when it was just Star Wars. Now they have the whole MCU to play in, and I'm beyond excited. Steph and Chris are the funniest nerd duo on any podcasting app, and there isn't an episode you can try that won't make you love them 3,000. Oh, that's really sweet. I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Super Sam. And uh, another old school listener, uh, Terminator S, has left us a review. I have seen that name before. Right. Uh, uh, They said, injected into my veins! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
The Divas are incredible. Such an amazing duo covering not one, but two of the franchises that make up my core personality. Now they just need to, <laughs> now they just need to make a Mass Effect podcast and I'll be complete. Gets me through my workouts every Don't week. you tempt me. Girl, we would Don't you talk. fucking tempt me. Every every episode would be about Garrus. Yeah, I and, and maybe we Why is that a story. is that a problem? I no, don't know. I'm just saying that's okay, what it would okay. be. Okay, okay. You know. It's the Vicarian podcast. Vicarian Divas there. Uh, I said it. Mm. <laughs> God, I love him. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Was there anything else? Oh, uh, then that's later? it for right now. Okay, well, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate that. Cool. All right. Are we ready to dive into the episode that we are discussing today? Yes. What are we discussing? All right. So what we are doing on this podcast is we are watching the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order, as best we can interpret it, given the state of the timeline. Okay? So, right. we started with Captain America the First Avenger, and we are now, today, talking about Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 2, A View in the Dark. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Do you have a previously on? Yes. Ooh. Conspiracy in the City of Angels. Agent Carter <laughs> continues to investigate the strange occurrence of the frozen bodies and the true nature of Isodyne while dealing with the realization that Agent Souza has fallen for another woman. Meanwhile, Calvin Chadwick and Miss Frost continue to deal with the fallout of Chadwick's indiscretions. Will mm-hmm. Chadwick be able to defy the attention of the SSR, or will Miss Frost have to get her hands dirty? Ba-ba-ba-bum. Have to or want to and really enjoy it? Kind of both. No, I'm saying I love kind of, her. I fucking love her. She okay. Uh, she I stand Miss Frost. I am a oh, Miss yeah. Frost stand. Yeah. Whitney. Oh oh, just mm-hmm. you wait. She gets better and better. I love. Oh, I, I I'm looking forward to it. I kind of See, already know because I looked her up, but it's fine. It's fine. Oh, yeah. He, this is the thing is that that Agent Carter has done, which is you know, they give us this wonderful hero, uh, this Captain America in a in a skirt, this this magnificent Peggy Carter, but no, he, every hero is only as good as their villains, right? Right. So we need amazing villains. And uh, God bless the show for giving us only female villains. Yeah. Really. Like, yeah, okay, Ivchenko, but Dottie was the star of that show. Let's be clear. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, 100- 150%. Yes. And so, yeah. I ju- oh, I love, I love it. I love it. Because give me, give me terrifying women. <laughs> Every fucking day. I love them so much. Okay. So um, behind the scenes, a little bit in the production, the production end of this episode. Um, we are set in 1947 L.A. still. And we stay in L.A. for this episode. I And I'm here for it. This yeah. episode literally shows some of the most classic uh, locations oh, yeah. of Los An- of LA cinema ever. Because because of you and and this podcast, I'm looking at it now, I'm like, oh, that's the canals. Oh, that's the observatory. Oh, that's all that shit that Chris talked about. Exactly. In spite of myself, I'm learning from you. I know. Isn't that cool? Isn't that's that awesome? Weird. I'm so smart. Mm, Even though I don't contagious. do shit on this show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to let that go. Never, ever. One thing, Speaking- I've, one thing I've inherited from you, by the way, my, <laughs> the the inability to let it go. Exactly. Like, I used to, like, you know, water off a duck's back with, with issues. <laughs> I remember in high school, like, being really Honey, that was going. called, that's called yeah. dissociating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it didn't affect you. It's that it really didn't affect you. You weren't there. <laughs> I'm so broken. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh... 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't anyway. have else. Okay, we're done there. All right. Anyway, so production wise, yes, the this episode is directed by Lawrence Trilling, who directed the last episode, mm-hmm. episode one, and it is written by uh, Eric Pearson and Lindsay Allen. Lindsay Allen uh, was a writer on Ascent to Air back in season one, the episode where Dottie met the dentist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love that yeah. scene still. Uh, and Lindsay Allen will be a writer on six more episodes of this season. So wow. we're getting some consistency finally. Yeah. Right? That's great. The other, the other writer, Eric Pearson, uh, wrote multiple Marvel one-shots, which, by the way, we need to figure out at what point we're going to cover the one-shots. You know, I only I only recently learned about those. Uh, oh, really? When, yeah, only uh, when starting to prepare for this show, I was like, "Wait, one shots?" And they're all oh, Disney, yeah. they're all on Disney Plus. So that's amazing. But the problem is, they go all over the place. So I don't even mm-hmm. know. They might need to all be covered in their own like little thing. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. That like they they fall within the chronology of of the MCU for sure. But like some of them have been retconned. Some of them are no longer canon. Like there's one that involves that touches on Agent Carter that got retconned because this show got made. Right. So like I think they I think they need their own treatment at some point. Well we'll figure it out. Okay. Anyway, Eric Pearson was a writer on multiple of those. Like he was a writer on A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. That one really <laughs> with Agent Coulson. Um, he was also a writer on Godzilla vs. Kong. I love that movie. Black Widow. <gasps> uh-huh. And Thor Ragnarok. We love him. I know. <laughs> That's like one of the best movies of all time. That's it's literally so like one good. of my favorite movies. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok is, is definitely on my infinitely rewatchable turn it on anytime I need some serotonin movie list. Fucking love Thor Ragnarok. I love that. Okay. <clears throat> so, we start our episode. And <laughs> what's our first scene of this episode, Chris? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're at Stark Manor, which, uh, mm-hmm. j- just a quick review, it's actually the same, I mean, I don't even remember if I mentioned this last episode. It's the same fucking house they used for Stark Manor in the pre- in the previous season. And that's in on the East Coast. It's just a oh, different okay. side of it. Yeah. It, look, he just really likes the architecture. <clears throat> so he just had the exact same house built on the other coast. Yeah, okay? sure, sure. Don't judge. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Peggy's going outside enjoying, you know, beautiful sunny day in Los Angeles. And Peggy she looks in, a, up- in a smart jumper one, uh, <clears throat> suit. She's yes. got a pantsuit. Sorry, go on. Which, is that supposed to be like a workout outfit for the times? Or No, I think that's just <clears throat> a casual, like, pantsuit. Oh, because okay. sometimes she wears pants. And for the scene that she's about to walk into, she should have pants on. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> she looks over and fucking Jarvis. Uh, he's doing, what was he doing, squats or something? <laughs> he was he was doing some kind of, he was, he's, he's lifting weights, like on a barbell. Like a, a big barbell of, of, not a lot of weight. Um, but no. he, is, he is a butler. Um, he has but super he's, skinny arms. Yeah, well, he's he's a British butler. <laughs> yeah, right. Doesn't get a lot of tan. Doesn't get his tan on. He glows. He glows. in the dark. Yeah, he's he's an undersea creature, <laughs> and, um, and he's wearing a wrestler onesie. Um, yeah, and, you know, yeah, he is. Steph, I had to uh, carefully uh, observe the scene. Oh, because uh, he's packing. Yeah, like yeah. 
Yeah. There's a lot going. There's a, a, he almost certainly has like a dance belt or something on because we can't have dingle dangles dangling on ABC. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the wife is uh, walking all bow legged all the time. Congratulations on a Jarvis. <laughs> <You trooper>. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, James Darcy is looking good. He's looking real good. Uh, Congratulations, yes. sir. I love nerds, nerdy guys so much. Oh, yeah. And a nerdy guy in a wrestling onesie. I mean, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. I saw yeah. this scene. And I was like, well, Chris is going to have a hard time getting past this one. Uh, yeah. So I would like to proceed. I would like to talk about the scene for the next hour and a half. And I, <laughs> I guess I guess stuff happened in the rest of this episode. I don't know. <laughs> yes, we get an artfully hair-tossled Sousa later. Hang on, baby. It's going to get good. <laughs> But yeah, Jar- Jarvis is working out, uh, and <laughs> Peggy's like, "Oh, look at you with your little muscles!" But uh, Jarvis, <laughs> Jarvis lets her know that you know, since they they went on their little adventures, he's like, "I should maybe have a fitness regime because I've got to keep up with this bitch." Right. And uh, so he's been lifting weights. Uh, he's been doing some boxing training. Yep, and also judo. Bless him. He's been training in judo. Yeah, and he's rather and proud of himself. He's very proud. He would like to demonstrate to Peggy. Mm-hmm. And Peggy's like, I'm not going to fucking spar with you, Jarvis. Knock it off. <laughs> and so he pokes her. <laughs> and Peggy pokes stands her there like, what are you doing? Are you an idiot? <laughs> and I, I I, had the same thing. I was like, what the fuck? Are you, Jarvis, you've seen her in action. What are right. you doing? fuck are you doing yeah uh, so, but he irritates her enough that she finally just fucking throws him over her shoulder and plants him on the ground she's like i learned that from my brother or something like that yeah yeah and she <laughs> reaches out a hand to help him up and then he just flips around and flips her over and pins her to the ground yeah so again i had to uh <laughs> i had to okay. pause any sexual tension in this moment is 100% being projected by you. Absolutely. It's not. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I want to make this clear, y'all. This is not a sexual thing. No. It's a funny thing. Um, yeah. But for me, it was so sexual. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, skyrockets in flight. <laughs> Just like that. I, I was. Uh, I. Uh, I want a man to do that to me. I want. I, I've never wanted to be Peggy Carter before until that moment. And Look, surely that is something that you can put in a review or something on one of your apps and be like, "I, I need, I need you to go to Agent Carter, season two, episode two, timestamp two something, two thirty, whatever it is. That we need to do that. If you can do that, hit me up, girl. If someone even knows who Agent, what Agent Carter is, I'll just bang them right there. Okay, I, mean, I think that's fair. I think I think this is I mean, really not to hate on Agent Carter, but nobody saw this show, so <laughs> nobody did, and that's the fucking crime. Okay, yeah. so the best part about this is they are best friends. They're yeah. like they're like not quite siblings because that's really more the dynamic that Peggy has with Howard. Yeah, I agree with that. But they're but they're best friends. There's no tension here whatsoever. No, and as even when Anna walks in, and I really appreciate that the show didn't even try to play this up as anything embarrassing or tense or anything like that. The man's wife walks into the into the space and sees that her husband has a very beautiful woman pinned to the ground, and he's wearing the equivalent of underwear mm-hmm. in the 40s. And she's like, "Oh, did he catch you with this patented tortoise of fury?" <laughs> And Peggy's like, oh, is that what he's calling it? Like, 
(laughs) (laughs) Apparently, Anna has been Jarvis's sparring partner up to this point. (laughs) So, okay, whatever. I also want to be Anna. Um, That was, by the way, a two on the D6 (laughs) roll. The Tortoise of Fury. The Tortoise of Fury. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, and I agree with you though. That I seriously like that was super cool. Like she didn't have a problem with it. You know, she's just yeah. like I mean, she's totally secure in her relationship that she's like whatever. Yeah, exactly. She's they're so everybody in that scene is so lovely. Mm-hmm. I I love this little this little tribe that Peggy is forming around herself. Um, but we cut away from that uh, where Peggy's like, um, Jarvis, drive me to work, and we cut away from that to Rose and Sousa are walking to the office. Yeah, Rose is like, so Sousa, you really should tell Peggy about your girlfriend. Not yeah. no, not knowing by the way that at the end of the last episode, Peggy already fucking saw and figured it yes, out. Yes, they don't. They, neither of them know this. Yeah, and Rose is giving him shit she's like so you didn't tell her no you're no rose uh well you should because it's going to be really awkward uh if you don't tell her and then when they finally meet and then they walk into the office and who who's in there <laughs> uh Susan's girlfriend violet uh-huh violet yeah. uh violet and Su- uh, violet was already in there with peggy and they're eating cookies or something <laughs> they're giggling over cookies and the fear on Susan's face uh, did you look at, did you see Rose's face? She was totally, uh-huh. she was doing the I told you so face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rose doesn't take that face off for this whole episode. No, no. She remains I told you so. Yeah. And I love her. Oh, I absolutely love I her. I just fucking love her. Um, so, yeah, there's, Violet is fucking lovely and she's so sweet and she and Peggy are hitting it off. And Violet's like, oh my God. Okay. So we're going out to dinner tonight. You have to join us in that thing that people who make friends easily do. Yeah. That's so awkward. It's so weird. It's so, so it's awkward. Like, what is this? What is this sorcery? You just invite people to go places and then they go and then you have a lovely time and you're friends now. Well, is that how that works? I mean, no, because if I'm having a date with somebody, I'm not going to invite, I, I, no offense, Stephanie, if I'm going on a date with one of my boys <laughs> and you showed up, I'm like, oh, hi, Steph. Well, I'll be home in a couple hours. Bye. You know. <laughs> right. But she, like, she and Sousa, Violet and Sousa are clearly in a long-term relationship at this right. point. And so she didn't have any kind of special significance attached to their going out to dinner tonight. Uh, even though there's a reservation and it's a reservation for two, like, Violet, come on, honey. I think she's just one of those really friendly people. Ugh. And yeah, it's, so they just, <laughs> they just fucking made friends. I don't. I don't understand. I'm an introvert, Stephanie. Yeah. So I don't. And she, I, oh, no, I'm with you. This is bizarre. I, I'm observing her like she's on a fucking David Attenborough program. Like, watch the, the, the wild nurse as she moves through her <laughs> territory. Because she is a nurse. She's wearing like the full nurse whites and stuff. So she's a spy, isn't she? I ain't saying shit. Yep, yep, she's a spy. She's fucking Hydra or some shit. <laughs> because we trust, can't have nice things? Anybody. Is that where you're at? Okay. I don't trust anybody in this show. Also, I'm rewatching Blacklist right now. That's not helping. No. <laughs> Blacklist will make you distrust everyone. You'll distrust the family dog after Your own Blacklist. fucking husband, yeah. Well, know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, season one. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Peggy lets uh, Susan know that Jane Scott's body is being packed up for transport and is going to be delivered to their lab. Awesome. Cut to Jane Scott's body being packed up for transport <laughs> to be delivered to the lab. Uh, by two by two dudes in full hazmat gear. They're mm-hmm. packing her into like a big, crazy, refrigerated, lead-lined coffin thing. Yeah, it was kind of crazy looking. Yeah, and then, well, and then- I mean, she's really dangerous. She's radioactive. There's yeah. a problem there. For sure. 
Uh, yeah, and they, they cart this iron casket out, and all of a sudden, a dude who looks like a sexy version of John Travolta rolls up on them <laughs> and shoots them. Um, Chris Browning would be, I think, delighted to hear you say that. Um, he's the actor that's playing this particular hitman. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, he's a TV that guy uh, for any rugged looking dude that you need if he's going to be a thug or or a hitman or whatever um he's been in uh episodes of sons of anarchy westworld um every csi show i think um so yeah that's that's chris browning chris browning pops out of the truck and shoots them both with a silencer pistol (laughs) and then just kind of looks at them because he's scary And hot. Anyway. Yeah. yeah so and he, then, he, and then yeah. we cut away to something else. <laughs> yeah. So he rolls up, murders them real quick, and then we cut away to something else, which is a apparently a private club. Uh-huh. Uh, Chadwick walks in. Uh-huh. Did you see the symbol over the door? I did. The weird A symbol, which is what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah. It's like a... Is it, it's like a delta? I don't know what it is, but it matches know. It matches the symbol that was on the lapel pen that Dottie Underwood was trying to steal back in New York. And why did she want that pen so bad? Hmm. It's some currency that's worth more than money. Ooh. Whatever. Mysterious. Anyway, Calvin Chadwick is walking into what is clearly a gentleman's club. Not like pole dancers or, or strippers, not that kind of gentleman's club. Um, but like a club for just dudes to hang out, drink scotch, and, and read the paper together. Yeah. Would be and, more fun and also be super be racist real. and not allow people of color in and women. Exactly. Exa- mm-hmm. Exactly. And that actually will come into play later. But anyway, so he's walking into this club and the concierge uh, sort of smiles him over oh. and lets him and lets him know that the gentlemen are in the meeting room. Which seems like an innocuous statement, but the cold, dead fear that appears on Calvin Chadwick's face at this news would tell us that it actually has a greater meaning. Yep. So I did. uh, So he walks up to a piece of armor Uh and opens and shuts it, and it opens a. a, uh, There's a fucking secret switch. Yeah, it opens a fucking secret door behind a bookcase. So there is uh, there is a uh, place called the Magic Castle. It is in Hollywood. Oh, uh, it, okay. It, it is a multi-leveled house that was a, a secret academy, or at least it started off as a secret academy. Now it's pretty well known uh, mm-hmm. for for magicians, and it's a it's the house itself has some bizarre history. But like they tacked on wings, and there's like sub levels, and it's a very cool house. There's cool things like you know when you first get in, when you first go into the uh, entrance of this place here, it's like a very small library um, with a reception desk. And you have to go up to this owl and, oh. and, and, and say abracadabra. And the, okay. the, uh, the, uh, one of the bookcase walls will open. And that's how you get in. There is a, uh, a sub-level where there's like uh, all kinds of weird artifacts and stuff. And this suit is in there. Really? This suit of armor that is appearing in this episode it is from the It looks identical to castle. it. And if you walk up to it and open and shut it, it opens a wall to a bar. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking. That's, I mean, and that shit. I mean, it's not. I've been told Magic Castle isn't as cool as it used to be. I, uh, my aunt and uncle took me there all the time in the nineties. It used to be the place to be. All kinds of Hollywood celebrities would hang out in one of the four bars at night, and it used to be a really cool hangout spot. And it's mm-hmm. a legendary place. Okay. So yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, but uh, Chadwick does the thingy with the armor, and it opens up the bookcase to reveal. 
A very expensive looking wood panel room full of older white men in suits sitting at a table with lit candles in front of them. This is legitimately the most terrifying room I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, this, this is, is the, some Illuminati shit. This is some Illuminati shit. This is the room I see every time I pitch my company to investors. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what the fuck's going on in here? Well, well, Chadwick goes to sit at the table. And the second he sits down, I realize he's got a lapel pin on now. Y- yeah. And everybody at the table has a lapel pin on now. And wait a fucking second. Is that Hugh Jones at the table? It sure is. Okay. Cast your minds back to last season of Agent Carter, dear listener. Hugh Jones is the, is the CEO of Roxxon Corporation. <gasps> yeah. Why is he at this table? Who are these people? What is going on? I don't know. Chris? Well, well, is this the time that we should talk about this? Or does, is there a more appropriate? Because I, I haven't... I don't, I've never seen the show, Steph. So I don't know if this is the time okay. to talk about what this you, or not. Talk about what? The Council of Nine. These, they're not really being named as the Council of Nine right now, but they do say, they, they lead old scary white man informs Chadwick that the Council has voted to shut down Isodine. Yeah, and Chad, Chadwick's like, what the fuck? Right. He's like, uh, that's funny. I'm on the Council. How the fuck did that happen? Right. But they're like, look, your experiments have yielded no results, and now you've got the feds investigating. Uh-huh. So, and also over the course of this conversation, we find out that these old white assholes at this table engineered the stock market crash of 29. Yeah, uh, funny story about that. Oh, really? You have a funny story about the crash of 29? Well, not exactly. Okay, so I thought for some reason in my stupid-ass brain, I thought they were talking about some kind of a plane crash that happened in 29, not the stock market oh, crash. You are so pretty. I'm so stupid, but I googled this, and I found a really horrible-looking fucking TV show called Flight 29 Down. Okay. Have, have you heard of this show? Is this is this a nine eleven thing? Uh, it came out. No. Okay, go on. It, it's a kids show. Oh, what? Yeah, a group of kids are on a plane and it crashes into a beautiful tropical paradise, and the kids have to figure out how to live on their own. How very um, Lord of the Flies. Except it's not Lord of the Flies. It's more like Lizzie McGuire style. Like everyone's happy go lucky, and they love everything, and everything just works out. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. And that that shit had three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never fucking heard of it. So. Uh, Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's great. I'm sorry that you went down that particular rabbit hole. Um, I hope you can come back to to the good show. That's also on Disney Plus. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. Sounds no, like I'm sorry. It was show. on Peacock. It was on Peacock. I, I oh, apologize. Okay, okay. If y'all are gonna don't watch this fucking show, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> so. How many episodes did you watch before you went back to your research for this podcast? I'm not going to talk to you anymore about this because you're <laughs> okay, cool. you're you're judging me. Okay. Anyway, I just thought I I wanted to share my suffering. Okay. 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 Um. So, uh, do you you tell me? I haven't done any research on the Council of Nine. Um. Do you think this is the Council of Nine? I didn't even count how many people are at the table. Well, there were a total of eight people before Chadwick walked in. Then that so, would be nine. Right. So um, I assume the Council of Nine is a Marvel Comics thing? So, sort of. So it is inspired by a group called the Secret Empire, which I've kind of mentioned a few times. Uh, you know, Ch- one of the characters that the Chadwick character is based off right. of was a member of that. So at various points of Marvel history, you know, because Stan Lee loves to kind of uh, – 
like uh, take counterculture stuff and mm-hmm. kind of make it incorporate it into the Marvel universe. So, for example, you know, in the late '60s, like you know, people were getting uh, peace, love, and down with d- down with corporations, man. You know, uh, so right. they uh, so there was a group called the Secret Empire. They made their debut in a uh, Tales to Astonish number eighty one, which came out April nineteen sixty six. Uh, it was a basically Illuminati group. They started off as a subsidiary of a, a, a group called Them, which was a branch of Hydra. Mm-hmm. But they were actually like a group of very powerful businessmen that tried to control the world. And their goal was to uh, reinstate the aristocracy that dominated Europe, but all oh. over the world. Okay. Uh, and various villains came out of this group. They fought with everybody uh like you know, the Hulk, Namor, uh, uh, Moon Knight. By the way, ha <laughs> uh, Iron Man. You name it. They've they've dealt with everybody. Uh, Captain America many times. So yeah. So this kind of the Council of Nine c- comes from is inspired by this group essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right then. Uh, so yeah, we've got these guys at the table. They're like, uh, Chadwick, we're shutting you down. And Chadwick's like, okay, but the he starts talking about a substance. A substance that they have found that, um, like nuclear power isn't even regulated yet. And this substance that his lab is working on could make nuclear power obsolete. Yes. Like shit. This is, this is a, a very quick escalation in the global power, like actual power power race, because mm-hmm. that is where the real money is. Uh, if you can keep people's lights on, then you, uh, you're the money guy. And right. so, and I'm like, okay, what? Substance? Are we talking about the black goo that we saw Jason Wilkes staring at in a jar last Appar- time? Apparently, apparently, that was my guess. Yeah. Uh, so he's trying to make his case to not shut it down, and they're like, "Dude, we have already made the decision, and we're taking care of the body." And he reaches over this scary white man and does a spooky snuffing of his candle. I wanted to make fun of that so hard. Like okay. I, I, like I just want to be like, what was that? You t- you think that taking off t- taking the flame off the candle is going to fucking change my mind or do anything? Uh-uh, bitch. But then they all do it. And but this is apparently this is apparently how they vote at this table. Okay. I guess. Sure is by, to and so peer pressure, everybody else is snuffing their candles. Now Calvin Chadwick has to snuff his. And but they're like, dude, it's okay. Look, that didn't pan out. It's fine. We are totally funding your Senate race. You're going to be a senator. So, you know, all smiles, buddy. Things are looking up. And he tries to smile, but something... Mm, so He's got another thought in his head that is making him unhappy about this. And yeah. we will find out why in a we minute. Will, yeah, we, I was about to say, we will find out why. But Chadwick is a punk-ass bitch. He is punk-ass bitch. Yeah. Um, so then we got two. Peggy and Sousa have found the dead hazmat suit-wearing feds. Yeah, in the trench of L.A. Uh, I was about to say this is this looks like a familiar location. I think yeah, so I've seen uh, so greasers this, do a drag race here. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is the L.A. River. Oh, okay. Uh, you may notice the lack of water. There was a little water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like full or anything, but there was a little no. water nearby. Yeah. So yeah, but this is a this is the L.A. River. Uh, this this scene, this exact setting. Has been involved with over a thousand film projects. Oh yeah, that, that Justice movies alone, too many television shows to, to count. This is legendary uh, L.A. location. Like, do you think they have to fight over like 
over time so that they don't end up filming each other's film crews in the background of their shots? Well, there's like how act- long is this river? So, oh, it's it's very long, but this specific okay. this specific location because you notice that there is that iconic bridge in the background. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, this is that this exact spot in particular is used a lot now. There are rules and regulations in place where, you know, different production companies have to, you know, apply for permits and shit to be able to film here. So that's not, that's how they do not step on each other's toes all the time. Oh, okay. But this shit is used year round. In fact, the train I take whenever I go to Disneyland goes right next to this area. And half, at least every other time there's a film crew in there. Nice. Yeah. It's just really cool. It's It's just like, I mean, this is, this is Terminator 2 stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Which the that, whole, that the whole chase the, scene with that's the 18-wheeler. That's one yeah. of the movies that they filmed this in, yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah, I, if I recognized it, then yeah, that's a ubiquitous film location. Yeah. <laughs> that is everywhere. Um, but Peggy and Sousa are um, pissed because those are two perfectly good federal agents that have been murdered. The body is missing. Fuck uh, do we do now? We have yep. clearly, clearly kicked a hornet's nest of some kind. Something's up. Um, and then... Somebody, I think, passes a note to Sousa to let him know that they have that uh, Jack Thompson somehow came through for them back in New York and got them a search warrant for Isodyne. Yay! So they get their right. asses, they get their asses to Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> is that where that is? I don't know. Yeah, that's they said that last episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, they go stomping in and they encounter the same receptionist lady. Hello. Is there anything? We have a warrant to search the premises. You can help me by opening the door, or we will open it by force. Except, um, they, they're putting a sign. But they over put the up door. this like random ass sign. It's like there's a leak. It's like okay, yeah. that's fake as shit. <laughs> yeah, but it's clearly like a it's it's the biohazard sign. Like there is mm-hmm. a radiation leak here, and you don't fuck around with radiation. If you tell people there's a radiation leak, they're not going to go in there. But if there's a radiation leak, wouldn't like the whole office be fucking evacuated? Wouldn't there be like? <laughs> Okay. Whatever. It's a little. It's a little leak. Yeah. Anyway, anyway that's why Peggy knows it's bullshit. Yes. Well, of course it's bullshit. Uh, they both know it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do you fucking argue with that? Um, but they right about then, uh, Doctor Wilkes happens to walk in. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful Doctor Wilkes. Mm. We love him. He's so pretty. I. He's he's lovely. <laughs> anyway, but he he's um he's pretty nervous. Yeah. Uh, to see, because uh, apparently his morning's been a little hectic, and he sees Peggy and Sousa standing there. He's a little nervous to see them, especially when Peggy gets in his face and tells him, Isodyne is up to something, and I'm going to find out what. Be careful you don't get caught up in the crossfire. <laughs> like, <laughs> look, you're terrifying. You're asking him questions. He cannot give you answers. There are other doctors. People are watching him right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, not making eye contact and like scribbling around on his clipboard or whatever. And then he's like, look, I can't, I'm sorry. I'm needed elsewhere. Uh, shakes Peggy's hand and, and leaves. Mm-hmm. But what did he, what pick up the fucking story, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> now I was like captivated by your story. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. So Susan's like, well shit, what the fuck are we going to do? And Peggy's like, I have a feeling he wants to talk to us. And, and Susan's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> and, and Peggy, Peggy busts out a note with an address on it. And he's like, uh, yeah, he does, you know? Yeah. So, well, and, and the note says, come alone, come alone, Ooh. which, uh, you know, I like to, you know, at least have one oh other person God. there, but, oh my God. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it, it is. Was, I'm sorry. That's low hanging fruit, baby. Classy. And, yeah. <laughs> Low hanging fruit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so meanwhile, the doctor sneaks uh, back inside the building. The doctor is in the back Where the area, radiation leak is. Where the radiation leak is. And there's still people walking around there. And he's looking around, making sure that, like, nobody's watching him. And he notices, like, a, a doctor leaving this particular room. And he waits... He waits for the, it to be cleared, and the door is slowly closing, and he races in, mm-hmm. and he goes through a file cabinet, and he takes out a piece of oh, film. Oh, he picks the lock. Oh, he picks the lock, yeah. Yeah. And he takes out a piece of film. With, it has the only I didn't see what most of it said, but I noticed that the location was Mojave. Yeah. So it's Mojave a film. Desert. Right. It's a film reel canister, and it says atomic test on it. Uh-oh. And yeah, so I didn't even see Mojave, but I saw Atomic Test. Yeah. You get a very brief glimpse of it. He pockets it and he leaves. But oh no, somebody in a lab coat saw him. And uh, I'm designating him as creepy guy number three. <laughs> <laughs> so he saw him. Okay. Meanwhile, yeah. back at the SSR, which is the same SSR as the old SSR with bitter lighting. Right. Um, exactly. Same Sousa, Sousa has called information to look up the address that Dr. Wilkes gave to Peggy. Because that's what you had to do back then. There was no Google. Nope. No <laughs> you would have no. You get an address. You're like, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. Don't even really have like a map of the city with all the addresses. So you call somebody who has that information. Right. And uh, turns out it is the address of a swanky club called the Dunbar Hotel. Stephanie, would you like to know about the Dunbar Hotel? Is this an actual historical location? It's an actual historical location. Is it popular with the most uncomfortable phrase I've heard in this show? Uh, I'll just read what the uh, L.A. Conservancy website says. Uh, Dunbar Hotel played a key role in L.A.'s African-American community for decades. Uh, wow, uh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this place is a legendary place where the who's who of the jazz scene played. Louis Armstrong, nice. Duke Ellenson, Count Basie, Bessie Smith, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, which actually gets name dropped in this episode. Violet and I watched Ella Fitzgerald sing there. The greatest jazz singers of the time uh, sang at this place, and I love the reference because uh, I myself am a huge Ella Fitzgerald fan. So, <laughs> I, in fact, one of my favorite albums of hers is Ella Fitzgerald Live at the Dunbar. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really fucking cool. All right. 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 Um. But this is still 1947, so you get people casually saying things like the Dunbar Hotel is popular with the quote-unquote colored crowd. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we start skirting a little close uh, to the discomfort of, of that whole relationship of race relations in 1947 L.A. Okay, um, so it is a club. Peggy's going to go meet... <laughs> Jason Wilkes at a club. And this is where I start to get a sneaking suspicion that he's going to get that date that he was trying to get last time. <laughs> well, he's trying to kill two birds, one stone. I right. Think. He's multitasking. Multitasking. He's just, he's efficient. What? But <laughs> Suze is like, okay, well, I'm got to cancel dinner because I'm going with you. And Peggy's like, no. The note says come alone. All right. Whenever I'm planning to ambush somebody, I always ask them to bring along some friends. Right. Like, come on, man. Like, this is... Why would you go in alone just because he said to come alone? Um, but no, she's like, no, you got to go to dinner with Violet, blah, 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 etc. They banter for a second. Sousa tosses his coat across the room onto a chair and something falls out of it. Peggy bends down to pick it up. And what the fuck is it's it? It's a fucking engagement ring box. What? It's an engagement. What? I was shocked. I know. And at this point, Peggy realizes that that special dinner with the reservation for two for tonight was for Sousa to ask Violet to marry him. Uh, 
What, Sousa, are you thinking? Now Ren- He's thinking that Violet is a perfectly lovely woman. And she seems really nice. You know, she ain't Peggy Carter. But before before he tossed... But toss- that's not Violet's fault. True. Uh, before he tossed the, the jacket um, and dropped the engagement box, Peggy was getting pissed and she actually used his first name. Which meant that, you know, when she says, I can handle myself, Daniel. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, girl, she is getting pissed. And then um, <laughs> the awkwardness I felt with the whole engagement ring situation. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Peggy begins to back out of the room. And then, you know, she kind of stops and turns around and she says, I'm very happy for you, Daniel. I was fucking pissed. Why? I was pissed. I don't. They're being adults. What? What? What is he supposed to do? Not I, just pine away forever? Wasn't he? No, but like, wasn't it just like six months before? I don't know. I mean, not that okay, much time according, passed, right? According to the, the timeline that you saw, it right. was six months. According to common fucking sense, it's been over a year. Yeah. And it just, so, seems like, it just seems so sudden and soon. I don't know. I don't know. Because she's new. You're pissed because you love Peggy and you ship them and Violet's new. And you suspect that Violet is a spy. Violet's a fucking spy. Violet is going to bust out some crazy chain lightning thing and attack Peggy <laughs> with it or something. I'm just, I'm just assuming. That's a, that's that's standard issue for all Russian spies now. <laughs> chain lightning things. Lightning. Okay. Anyway, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking yes. and awkward. And but Peggy is, you know, she's she's being a good person. She genuinely likes Violet. She genuinely cares for Daniel. So. She's trying to be the better person and not make this a thing. And so, anyway. Um, but Peggy has been informed over this course of this conversation that she needs to dress up a bit. Yeah. And be a little swankier. Because you can't just go to a club in what you wore to the office. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just living here in 2022. But everything everyone wears in this show at all times looks fancy as fuck to me. It, it, it's true. But they're... You know what she ended up wearing at the at the club was really fucking nice. So it looks fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we cut to uh, Peggy is back at Shay Stark trying to find uh, trying to pick out a dress that she's going to wear. Anna is there um, and helps her pick out a dress. And then Jarvis is going to loan Peggy Howard Stark's leisure uh, car, sex car. It's a fucking his sex, sex car. car. It's his fucking sex car. It's really cute. It's a Buick convertible. Okay, it's adorable. I love the cars in this show. Um, And so (laughs) there's a series of switches in the in the dashboard of this car. (laughs) So um, ding on the Stark Tech bullshit. I was about to say that that, uh, I ding this. But however, of all the Stark Tech bullshit that Howard Stark has come up with, (laughs) I want this car. <laughs> you want to be able to flip a switch and then a little panel opens up and it's got champagne and two glasses. Uh, my favorite, my favorite part was when Peggy was like, "What does this do?" And the the seat goes back and she's like, oh, "Good lord, is that a mirror?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is totally his fucking car. It's the car for fucking. Yeah, you can flip a switch to darken the windows for extra privacy. Mm. Uh, you can. Uh, there's a switch in particular that Mr. Stark refers to as his sock on the doorknob. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> that is the tracker to turn on to alert Jarvis to come pick up his car because he has found companionship for the night. And he leaves his car somewhere and needs for it to be picked up. Yes. Or he has forgotten where the fuck it's going to be. Or whatever, he definitely you know. is not going to remember where that car is. No. No. That's why he turned on the tracker. You know. You just know. Because sometimes Howard Stark invents things because he got an idea. And sometimes he invents things because he needed it and didn't have it consequences right yeah so i guarantee you he lost more than one car this way by forgetting where he parked the fucking thing because he was three sheets to the wind and getting laid uh so that's why he had to invent this button <laughs> so I, sock on the doorknob fucking starks man yeah yeah anyway we're at the club now the dunbar hotel and peggy looks great you remember that purple dress last season yeah this is like the upgraded version of that it's like dress. The, yeah, like the California fashion Hollywood version the, of it. And I love the, it. The dark purple with the windows around the neckline and around love the sleeves. It. Like, oh my God, she looks amazing. The, costu- a, the costuming of the show is out of control. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's so expensive. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because everything has to yeah. be custom made, you know? So Well, it's got to fit them. Yeah, so. exactly. And it's not like you can just pop down to the store or the thrift shop and get this stuff. No. Like, sure, there are, there are almost certainly costume warehouses everywhere, but then you have to rent those costumes from those warehouses. Like, they're not having to make everything from scratch, but there's got to be a lot of pieces that they do. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, lovely, lovely Dr. Wilkes is there. He's sitting at the bar. He's so dreamy. He's so fucking dreamy. So fucking dreamy. <laughs> and I and, and I love I love there are places like this all, still to this day all over uh, uh, Hollywood especially it's like jazz club ambiance Art Deco interior mm. fancy ass bar you sit it there looks so fucking good yeah you you sit there you're chilling you're drinking a martini and there's like beautiful jazz music playing in the background with a live band oh I yeah. fucking love it. Yeah, any anyone who invites me out to a bar like that and treats me to an evening like that is getting some that's Uh, just how that happens because i will be in the capital m mood for it so saying got the vapors off of the scene is what i'm saying right me (laughs) too yeah it was funny i I, I was just at a a bar like this last night in downtown uh, ventura and they serve a thing stephanie called the double jeopardy do you know what that is yeah you tweeted about that isn't it just two martinis uh yes but um you can uh put the uh, lemon peel in one Olive and the other, and so you can have like kind of the best of both worlds. That sounds real fancy. You don't look. I don't. I don't know much about martinis. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I I really re- it's a new thing for me. So oh god, yeah. See, that's why I don't know much about martinis because I went on a date with a guy who was a fucking martini snob, Ew. and he bored my goddamn ear off. See, that's talking exactly about why ratios I... and garnish oh. and all this shit. And I was like, olives are tasty. Nom nom, I'm oh. contributing to this conversation. He didn't get any. Olives are the best when they've been soaked in a martini for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's exactly why I wasn't into martinis, because I always uh, I always associate it with, like, snobbery and that kind of bullshit. Yeah. But, yeah. So. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> so, Wilkes is like, I'm going to order us some drinks. And Peggy's like, I'm, not, I'm here to get your fucking information. I'm here to interrogate yeah. you, not to get drinks. And... The thing is, Wilkes is like, look, let me tell you about my day and how I showed up at work and we all got called into a conference room where there was a bunch of terrifying corporate lawyers who started throwing around words like classified and treason (laughs) and and noose and 
So I need to make sure that I can even trust you. So let's make some small talk. Tell me about your hometown. And I love that Peggy, Peggy, I love that Peggy is perfectly fine not drinking when she uh, is talking business, but when she has to talk about her personal (laughs) life, she needs a fucking whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Neat. Don't even water that shit down. Don't don't give me no ice. I I need, I, I just whiskey. (laughs) Yes. And a glass. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it coming. Uh, That's my kind of girl, by the way. I love her. All mm-hmm. right. So that conversation is getting started. We cut to Whitney Frost. I hate, I love and hate the scene at the same time. I love her mm-hmm. in this scene. I hate this scene. Right. Like, oh, because, because, because she's, she is fucking vamping for the camera. She's in the middle of filming, clearly a movie where she's like saying a goodbye to a soldier in the rain. It is very, it's deep. It's intense. Her voice is so resonant and so heartfelt. And she's talking about how much she loves him. And then they have a smooch and it's great. And then somebody goes, cut. And okay. So then the director walks up to her and he's like, Oh, he's such a fucking pig. But here's the thing. That's Hollywood in the 40s. Movie stars were property. Especially if you were a woman. I know. it was. This was giving me like Mommy Dearest vibes uh, oh. all the way through. All the way through. Because he comes up and he's like, hey. And she's she's like, she's really coming down off the high of having done a really good take. Like she's, Which it you was. Tell it was really great. It was really fucking good. You can tell she's feeling herself in that moment. Like she's dabbing away the, the, the real tears that she manufactured for that moment. Mm-hmm. And he calls makeup over. Can I get makeup over here, please? Let's see if we can try and get rid of the lines around her eyes. Can we do that? Great. Uh, and then tells her to skip lunch because they can't take her costume in any tighter. Give me a fucking break. And then he starts yelling at the lighting guy and saying, I thought you knew how to light older women. We hate him. I hate him so much. I didn't even write down who the fucking actor was playing that character because I erased him from my memory. He, he doesn't he, exist to me. Yeah, he was one of those guys that was like in the... Remember those VH1 shows? I love the 90s. I love the 2000s. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah he is in, Him and his twin brother uh, oh. were in that shit. Now, okay. uh, in real life, the guy's really hot and I wouldn't mind a twin action right there. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. In this scene, he's dead to me. Yeah. We hate him. And she's clearly having a fucking terrible time. Okay. Yeah. Back to the bar with Peggy that, and Hopping Hooks. around again. It's like kind of driving yeah. me crazy. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I guess we'll see as the season progresses because Lawrence Trilling, who directed this one, isn't directing any more episodes this right. season. So we'll see if that's just a Lawrence Trilling thing or if that's just an Agent Carter thing. Yeah. If it just suffers so from much being. Shit into the fucking episode. They have to pack it all in. Like, I really would have loved to have lingered with Whitney Frost. Right. In this. And like, learn more about her and where she's at and where her head's at in all of this. And I would have loved to have listened in on this cool story that Peggy is telling Wilkes about this time that apparently when she was in, in girls boarding school back in the day and she got caught stealing brandy from the headmaster's office and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I want that whole story, but we don't have time for that shit here because we've only got 10 episodes to get through this entire season. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, um, so apparently the, the story that Peggy shared was enough to convince Wilkes, Wilkes that she is, in fact, trustworthy. But then a beautiful lady starts singing a fucking gorgeous song in this club. I love, I, I love this part. I had to pause everything and find out who this was and find out, you know, what is, is she actually singing or is, is she lip syncing? What's going on? She's mm-hmm. actually singing. Right. Because that is Kirby Lorian, 
who is a singer, songwriter, composer. She has written songs for people like Rihanna, for mm-hmm. Kanye. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has an, uh, an album that came out in 2020 called Sis. I 10,000% recommend. I sent Chris a link. I was like, you need to know this is who is singing in the Dunbar Hotel. Yeah, and I listened to it. It's goddamn good. So. She's so good. Yeah. So that's Kirby Lauren. Definitely look her up. She's awesome. And so she contributed to some stuff on Silk Sonic's album, by the way. <gasps> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love her. By the way, y'all, if y'all haven't heard Silk Sonic, get, listen to that fucking album. It's oh my like God. the best, one of the best fucking albums of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if you've got any kind of hang up about it being like super popular, fuck that. It's popular because it's so goddamn good. Anyway, yeah. that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with this. No. But, so the singer is singing this lovely song. This is my song. You recognize the song? I can't. Okay. Uh, But he has to dance, obviously, when he hears the song. And this is where Peggy and I both figure out, no, he totally got his date. Oh, yeah. This is, this is, he he tricked us into going on a date and having a good time with him. Sure did. Uh, By the way, the song, do you recognize it? I did not. Shit, I closed the tab on the song. <laughs> Hold, please. I was going to be so clever. You were going to be so on top of it. It's okay. I can cut this part out and you can be clever. Okay, one second. I need to look for it. Because I, <laughs> I don't want get to the, get the song wrong. No, then you can't live that shit down. Right. I want to be loved. Okay. The song's and called... Not, and not I want to be loved by you, just you and nobody else but you. It's a different song. It's a different song. Well, I want to be loved was first written in 1933 uh, by some white guys, but... It got incorporated uh, into the jazz scene, and it was one of those uh, songs that standard songs that a lot of different jazz musicians and singers played. Um, mm. It did get popularized as a as a number one song when uh, a jazz singer named Dana Washington, with uh, Quincy Jones, by the way, uh, did a did a version of it in 1962. But you know, it, this song was played like if you went to any jazz club. African American jazz club on the East Coast, West Coast, whatever. This song's going to get played at least once by somebody. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it is legitimately his song. It is legitimately the song. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's such a great song. So he legitimately loves this song and would like to dance with this beautiful woman yeah. to this song. So, and Peggy's like, come on. Now, I didn't want, and he's like, you know, I could talk and dance at the same time. Uh-huh. Just come on. Just come on. And so now we have dance floor confession time. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Peggy asks, Wilkes just straight up asks him if Calvin Chadwick killed Jane Scott, the the frozen lady from last time. <laughs> and he says, I don't think he did, but I do think that he would kill to protect our research that we're doing at Isodyne. Dun, dun, dun. And Peggy's like, okay, well, what is this research? And he says, it would be easier to show you. And so, I'm like, show me what? <laughs> show, show me what? Show me where? Show me, I'll show you mine. What? Yeah. Are we... <laughs> Yeah, huh? I, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 got, I got flustered. I, I got really <laughs> flustered. <laughs> He's so pretty. <laughs> I just I just fucking can't. Oh, um, quick note from back when uh, Whitney Frost was filming the scene. Right. That I forgot to mention. All of the crew uh, from that, the, the film production crew uh, in this scene that look like they're just extras they're actually just the Agent Carter crew in costumes. <laughs> That's cheap. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All right. So um, 
Peggy's like, okay, then show me. And they're, um, they pay their tab. They're on their way out the door. But oh no, at the bar as well and watching them leave is the guy that killed the agents that were transporting Jane Scott's body. Dun, dun, dun. He's following them. Yep. Okay. Hotter version John Travolta guy is coming for them. <laughs> His character's name is Rufus. <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's, what a terrible. Okay, I know. anyway. That's a dog's name, sir. The name is for dogs. Might as well call you Spot, but okay. Right. Meanwhile, back at the studio. (laughs) Yeah. Whitney. Whitney goes stomping into her dressing room. Right. She's in a huff, a tizzy. So pissed. She's pissed. Yeah. She should be. And Chadwick is sitting there. He's looking nervous as as he could possibly be. It looks like Uh he's more afraid um, afraid of this situation than he was with the Council of Nine, which should tell you everything you need to know about their fucking relationship. Yeah, and he yeah. Break, and and she's sitting in front of the mirror. It's total mommy dearest. Uh, she's looking. <laughs> it is. She's looking so angry and pissed. And Chadwick tells her the project is over, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> she's furious. She's like, "Okay, hold on." They're scrapping zero matter, and I'm like, "Hold on, pause." Hit zero the brakes. What? Huh? What mm-hmm. the what the fuck is zero matter? What is we'll zero matter? We'll get to matter? zero matter. We will get to zero matter. Do you have? Is, is Zero Matter a comics thing? Do you have information I on didn't it? look up Zero Matter yet. I wasn't okay. sure if I should. Okay, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Okay. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Um, but we're all confused at this point. She's talking about Zero Matter. She's like, Zero Matter can make atomic energy as obsolete as the steam engine. I told them that. And Chadwick tells them, yeah, they're shutting it down. They're going to scrub the lab tonight. But don't worry, because I'm going to be a senator, right? I'm going to fund the Senate race. And that's good for us. And you can tell she's fucking furious. She's completely like just she's already had a shitty day. And now this, this. And I'm like, why are you so emotionally invested in Isodyne's weird black goo thing? I know. It's such a weird. It's a, But I guess I'll find yeah. out, right? You'll find out. You'll yeah, find out. I love that. Um, But she you can tell that she reigns it in. She puts on her actor face where she's like, yes, I'm so happy for you. And I'm happy about the Senate race and everything's fine. And then as soon as they hug and he can't see her face anymore, you can see the wheels are fucking turning. She's planning yeah. something. Oh, and he says, that's my girl. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. There are only certain circumstances in which that is acceptable to say to a grown woman. And there, are, there this aren't is a not lot of it. them for y'all. Yeah, no. And there's there's not a lot of them on ABC. <laughs> saying so i have in my notes here wilkes uh and peggy arrive at the observatory this is not a lab this is the griffith uh, this is the griffith observatory i thought i had assumed from their conversation that he was going to be taking her to a lab but no we're at the observatory uh one of the most iconic uh places in all of los angeles hollywood is it is it super romantic? Because they make it look really super romantic. Oh, Heather, let me tell you something. Oh, if a boy okay. is going to take you to the Griffith Observatory at night, the view is amazing. The The makeout session is going to be hot. Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. And I may have had this experience multiple times. So Hey, hey. Hey, hey. No, it's, it, and it's a beautiful building. Again, the Griffith Observatory has been used in a countless number of productions. Um I remember as a little kid watching uh, the Rocketeer movie. Oh, nice! And yeah. they had the end, the end, end fight with the Nazis at the observatory. It's just, it's an iconic building. And they mm-hmm. actually, what the part that surprised me the most, they actually filmed inside the building, which I'm like, right. wow, because that 
but they must have been this, this uh the griffith observatory recently did a major renovation so i'm thinking that they filmed this right before they did the renovation so because film, mm, yeah. film crews fuck shit up yeah they do yeah they can't help it um so we start to get some backstory on jason wilkes uh he used to live way way out beyond the edges of la uh he's from like he his family picked oranges you know what that means no he lived in orange county oh okay is that why orange county is called orange county because they have oranges there uh well they had do you know what's there now um no disneyland Oh, it's okay. a Disneyland reference they're 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 doing because ABC is owned by Disney. Oh, and, okay, yeah. that's cute. That's cute. I like anyway, that. anyway, <laughs> but no, it really um, was it really was Orange Groves. It really was very rural. Uh, there would be no electricity run out there at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he points that out. He's like that. You see where there where there's not any lights anymore yeah. <laughs> in this vista view we have. Yeah, that's where. Uh, and so yeah, he he grew up very poor with not a lot of prospects. But then you know the war happened, and he became a, a navy engineer, and he got into some science stuff, and he he got all this education out of it. And then when the war ended, I applied to sixteen companies when I got home. Einstein was the only one that was willing to put one of my kind in a lab yeah and by his kind he means african-american he yeah he means a black man and that's why he's really struggling with tattling on isodyne because isodyne was the only company willing to give him a fucking chance mm. and like oh i feel you but also pe- people people are dead honey so if we could just go ahead and pack that away yeah <laughs> and maybe start telling peggy goddamn everything and he does yeah, yeah. Uh, so he says the line at the end of the conversation, uh, sadly, the view is not the only thing I have to show you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where was that on your D6? Uh, that was six. <laughs> uh, in my notes, I was like, my dick right after that. I don't know why. <laughs> my uh, dick. My right. dick. Okay. So we have movie time. He has set up a projector. uh, And remember, he stole that film reel earlier. And he's showing her this film footage. Now, I've seen it before. Chris, what was your first impression of this film footage that he shows her? Well, the first thing that captivated me was, first of all, he made a reference to Fat Man and Little Boy. Uh Uh-huh. Which I was like, holy shit. Like, that's those are the two nuclear bombs we dropped on fucking Japan. Isn't that nice? Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's it was a classic redone of, you know, the footage we recorded of when we were testing nuclear weapons out in the middle of the mm-hmm. Mojave Desert. Hey, hey. Yep. Uh, except this time it creates a black fucking hole. Essentially. Yeah. A tear, a tear like, in reality. Exactly. Like this weird black crack in the mi- in midair where the bomb hit. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Uh, and everyone gets, su- everyone that was nearby gets sucked in and then it... <laughs> It, it stops doing like being a portal and becomes like a black blankie that's moving like, around on its own. <laughs> so all the soldiers and everybody who gathered around the site were suddenly like lifted up in the air and then and sucked, sucked in. into the crack. Yeah. And then it becomes this puddle of black goo. And that is zero matter. What the fuck? That fucking puddle of black goo is zero matter. So real quick note, all, all we're going to talk about about zero matter right now. Okay. Okay. A little bit of trivia for you. When they were first writing this episode, the writers wanted to call zero matter element zero. Until a consultant pointed out to them that element zero is actually a thing. That's a real thing. It's not 
It's not Ezo from Mass Effect, which is what I thought it was. That's uh, that's exactly what I thought too. I was like, wait, like, what's happening? We, we need to launch some probes and get that so that I can upgrade my uh, my biotics, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's what this is. No, Element Zero is actually a a, a theory, a theoretical substance in science uh, called neutronium. It's a substance that's made up entirely of neutrons. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's theoretical. Like they think it exists, but. Um, as far as I know, but, you know, I have a degree in theater, y'all. Um, as far as I know, they have not proven the existence of neutronium. Right. But it is a strong theory. So they changed the name to Zero Matter. Now, looking at Zero Matter, Chris, you haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so this doesn't apply to you. But those of you who can hear the sound of my voice, who have watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is it just me? Or does the moving, thrashing black goo... That is their zero matter look a whole fucking lot like the liquid form of the monolith that opens the trans- transdimensional portal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because it fucking does. There's there's no way that's a coincidence. Okay, moving on. All right. Oh, wow, Stephanie, you're so right. <laughs> I am right. There's no way that's a coincidence. It has to be deliberate. It's transdimensional maybe shit, I, man. Maybe we'll see more of that shit in uh, Doctor Strange maybe someday I'll get you to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you'll know what I was talking about. I, I, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, meanwhile, outside the observatory, bad men with guns have arrived and flattened the tires on Peggy's car. Wow, I literally have that same fucking phrase in my notes. That's fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote bad men with guns? Yeah, uh, bad men with guns show up. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Bad, bad men. Yeah, so uh, they show up. They're getting ready to basically shoot, gun them down. Uh, meanwhile, right. they go back into the... Uh, so Wilkes gives Peggy the theory about what the fuck this thing is. Right. And then all and then uh, all of a sudden, they get attacked. Right, but real quick, before yeah. before they get attacked, because, again, we're jumping back and forth, jumping yeah, back I and know. forth. Yeah, I know. Someone's jumping. Um, he Wilkes' theory is that Jane Scott probably came in physical contact with the zero matter because he keeps it contained. His his specialty is containment. That's his job is keeping the zero matter contained. Right. And it absorbs all energy around it. It is always the coldest thing in the room. So if she came into physical contact with it, that's probably why she's fucking frozen. Um and Peggy's like, okay, but where did this come from? And he's like, maybe it's extraterrestrial. Maybe it's extra dimensional. We don't know. So, of course, Peggy wants to go steal it from Isodyne right now. Of course. Yeah, that's her fucking plan. Anyway, then the bad men with guns find them in the building and a, they commence to shooting. Yeah, uh, and they run through the uh, center part of the uh, observatory. Quick note, uh, if you're watching the scene, there's a circular cauldron looking thing with the pendulum swinging back and forth. That they uh-huh. run, they run quick, uh, quick, quick. They run past very quickly. That is a timekeeper using Earth's gravi- gravitational pull to keep track of what time it is. Oh, it swings, okay. It swings back and forth, and it'll tell you the exact time according to the magnetic pull of the world. Blah blah blah. It's re- it's oh. a really cool thing to see. Anyway, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay, uh, but we don't have time for that right now nope. because there's a firefight going on. Yep. So Peggy <laughs> and Wilkes run outside. They're about to get in the car, but oh shit, the tires have been slashed. So Peggy flips the sock on the doorknob switch, <laughs> and and sh- uh, tosses a gun to Wilkes so that he can cover her. She's like, "Can you shoot?" He's like, "I was in the navy." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean <laughs> yes. you can shoot, sweetie. 
That's what what it does when you're in a war and everybody's got to be able to fire a fucking sure, gun. Sure. Now in the modern military, sure. But I think everybody gets taught how to fire a gun at least for a minute. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he can shoot and she's hot wiring a car and all that's going on. And then uh, they get the car started and now it's a fucking car chase. Meanwhile, back at Stark Manor. <laughs> Jarvis, Jarvis is being chased by a flamingo. The pink atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Stark the flamingo. <laughs> and look, I think I think James Darcy is actually being menaced by the flamingo in this moment. The flamingo doesn't know he's acting. The flamingo's trying to hurt him. I, I I'm pretty sure flamingos are not nice. Like no. I, I imagine birds, them to be like birds hostages. are not nice. No, they're birds not nice. are not nice. No. They're fucking dinosaurs. Right. I say that as someone who has raised chickens and I had a cockatiel for many years. They're oh, not yeah. nice. Yeah. They're not nice. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, it, it, Jarvis gets the signal. Anna's like, yeah, there's a sock on the doorknob. You should probably go see about that. Jarvis knows <laughs> that, that Peggy has sent out an SOS. Okay. Right. Uh, so they evade the guy, the bad guys on the car chase and yeah, they still, but now they, they steal one of their cars. Yes, they steal one of the bad guys' cars, and they have, but the car gets shot in the process, and so the car dies. Yeah. Um, and they're hiding in the car. They evade the bad guys, but while they're hiding in the car, Peggy gets like p- poked in the back by a lapel pin, the same <laughs> lapel pin that is worn by the evil men in the club. The same lapel pin that Dottie was trying to steal in New York. These fucking pins are everywhere. Yeah, it's like everybody has one. So is this society that really that secret? If you can go to the no. LA, the LA gift shop and buy one of these fucking things, <laughs> right? Uh, you just fish around under the couch, the, the car <laughs> seats, and find it. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. Real quick note: when they leave uh, the observatory, they go through the LA tunnel again. Uh-huh. One of those iconic scenes. If you've seen, especially. Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit comes to mind as a oh, key yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then when they're in the city area, they're in uh, uh, Stars Hollow. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Warner Brothers backlot. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and I'm going to call out Gilmore Girls specifically because there's one scene where they don't bother changing shit. Or, and I don't know if that's on purpose or what, but there's one scene where they the storefront is identical to what's in the Gilmore Girls. And I don't know why they didn't change it. It was well, very confusing. I think- Probably because you are the only data point in the middle of the Gilmore Girls Agent <clears throat> Carter fan di- Venn diagram. That is not... Okay. Anyway. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Auerbach Talent Agency, a.k.a. the front for the SSR, <laughs> Violet and Rose are talking about surfing. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Apparently everybody fucking surfs. Uh, and they're about to go out and like about to go out on the town for the evening, Sousa. That's a good Sousa. Yeah. That's a nice, yeah. that's a nice looking Sousa. No, this is my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> Sousa <laughs> walks in. He's like, who's that clown? And I'm like, oh, that's kind of mean. And then the camera pans and there's an actual fucking clown. There's an actual fucking clown. <laughs> he was there for the talent agency. <laughs> <laughs> he what? wanted clown representation, I guess. So funny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but they're about to walk out the door. Violet, who also looks lovely, and, and Sousa, they're a very lovely couple. They're about to walk out the door for their special dinner. The phone rings. It's Jarvis. Jarvis is calling and he tells Sousa that Peggy has sent up the SOS. And, and Pe- Sousa, God damn it, I can't even get the words out. Blah, 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 blah. Sousa fucking drops everything. Doesn't even think twice. Peggy has sent out an SOS. He's gone. Hmm. He's supposed to be asking this woman to marry him tonight. Yep. He's the director of this SSR office. You can't send somebody else? Of course you fucking can't, Susan, because you're in love with Peggy. I know. I Thank you. <laughs> thank you. 
That's so fucking frustrating. Anyway, I don't want to get into under- I don't. I don't understand. I really don't. Men, men are confusing. Anyway. Well, yeah. I, preach. Stitch that shit on a pillow. Okay. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Peggy and Wilkes uh, are on foot as they need to find a fucking payphone because nobody but Jarvis has a cell phone these days, and he only had it in one episode anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they but go to the star. They go to the Stars Hollow Donut Store. Okay, they yeah. find, they see a payphone, <laughs> they don't have any change. No. So they need to go make change, and the only place that's open is a donut shop. So it's the middle of the fucking night, or perhaps the wee hours of the morning. I can't was really the tell. Racist, was the racist donut guy really necessary? Yeah. Ugh. Because we have to, at some point in the show, acknowledge the fact that beautiful, beautiful Jason Wilkes is a black man in 1947. Yeah. I, I hate racist people. Oh, right? Ugh. Same. But I feel like this was the gentlest and classiest way they could handle it. Yeah. Because Peggy's not even thinking about it. She's just a white woman in the middle of the night walking into a business alone with a black man. Right. Because... But it doesn't... It doesn't... Nothing about that seems out of place to her. She's a good person because it's wrong Because she's be not a, a fucking good... racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anyway, she walks into this donut shop and she's like, do you have change? And the guy looks at her, smiles, then looks at Wilkes behind her and his whole face changes. And he's like, ma'am, are you okay? Oh my God. Because I don't know, she's being held hostage by this man and being forced to purchase donuts. Like what? <laughs> what? I want to be held hostage by him. FYI. I want to be forced to purchase donuts. Wait. Wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> We went, we, went to, we went at this in two different ways. <laughs> My fantasy is less sexy, but, but more delicious. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> Stephanie is. is now an eclair sexual. Um, <laughs> good eclair is, a, is an orgasmic experience. You can go fuck yourself. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Wilkes is like, oh, he's got this whole like fucking a racist guy. Yay. Look on his face. Peggy is goddamn outraged. Yeah. She just wanted change for the fucking payphone outside, and the guy won't give her change now unless she buys something. And she's like, If you think I'm going to buy something from some no good charlatan in this rat hole of a place, and you are seriously. And you can hear Wilkes going, Okay, okay, you know what? It's it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Will you stop? You're going to get me killed. Because unfortunately, you need to stop. Yeah. And also, a white lady kicking up a fuss is is bad news for anyone with melanin around her. Yeah. So. Peggy, your heart's in the right place. You have all the best of intentions. You're a good person and I love you, but can you stop? Yeah. Anyway, we immediately cut to outside with with Wilkes eating an eclair. My second favorite scene. <laughs> and you liked him eating the eclair? Uh, well, Peggy no. is in the phone booth and she's trying uh-huh. to uh, make a phone call. And it's not working out because it's not working for some reason. And suddenly a car yeah. comes around the corner. And Peggy thinks that possibly it could be the people looking for them. Mm-hmm. So, she, so she forces Wilkes in the phone booth with her, and uh-huh. uh, this whole scene is yeah. very nice. That's very nice, yeah, because they're right up, uh, right into in each other's faces. But she's kind of looking over his shoulder to see if it's the bad guys that are in the car. She's like hiding behind him, and he's just he's just awestruck, just looking at her. Because if you've got Peggy Carter inches from your face, that's what you're looking at. Yep. Des, you'd go ahead and feast your eyes because my God. Anyway, <laughs> she's like, I don't, I don't think it's them or whatever. And then they look at each other and then he just, he can't resist because you shouldn't. And he, oh, look, okay. They don't have an explicit moment of like, can I kiss you? Yes, you may. It doesn't fucking matter. Okay. The chemistry is there and all the signals have been right. And yeah, he goes in for a fucking kiss. And of course they he does. have a heavy makeout session. If that's a heavy makeout session, honey, I need to question all of your Well, no, they, they, do the, they do the initial kiss, and then they kiss again, and then it's kind of like, you know. 
Yeah, but there's not even any over-the-shirt action. This is not a heavy makeout session. Oh, it's I mean, a good I mean, kiss. We're, it's still the 1940s, right? We're not gonna. I mean, if today we're baiting in the phone phone booth. Well, yeah, yeah, true romance. If somebody wants to watch, fine, you know, <laughs> this is how it's gonna work. Uh, but then after after they kiss, Peggy's like, "I have an idea." So do I. We're going to steal that car. And Wilkes gives total blue ball face. <laughs> which, brother, I'm there. But he go he he accepts this. Yeah. He's not like, no, you just shoved your tongue down my throat because she did. The second yeah, kiss did. was her idea, not his. That was her idea. Uh, he's not like, no, you started this. Now you need to finish it. You must service me. No, no. <laughs> he's like, you're right. You're right. We're going to go steal a car. Anyway, back at the SSR, Souza is upset. He's flipping out. Yeah. Like, because hardcore. they went to the observatory. They found a car with slashed tires and a whole bunch of bullet casings. And no Peggy. Yeah. So he goes to the office, closes the door, and starts fucking throwing shit around. And Jarvis is yeah. there with Rose. And Jarvis yeah. is like, um, why is he... I mean, I understand being upset, but he's really upset. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm worried about Peggy, too, but what's this about? Yeah. And Rose, Rose says... Chief has a special kind of worry about her. Because he loves her. God damn it, Sousa. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so Sousa gets over it really quick, and he starts deploying agents to the observatory and to the club. They're going to interrogate fucking everybody and find all of the evidence. Jarvis, you're with me. We're going to Isodyne. And I thought this was really cute, because Sousa and Jarvis have teamed up before. Yep. Like... But your own SSR agents who are actually like sworn in <laughs> federal agents, they can't go with you. You need the butler. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's a main character. I get it. Okay. Okay. Fine. Take him with you. He's got plot armor. Go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so everybody's going to Isodyne now, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All roads go to Isodyne. So uh, Peggy and Wilkes show up first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilkes is gonna, you know, Peggy's gonna deal with the people, I guess, or something like that. Wilkes is gonna go get the Zero Matter. Right, they split up. She sends Wilkes to go fetch the Zero Matter while she goes to take care of the guys who are currently cleaning out the lab. Right. And destroying all the other evidence. And so Wilkes goes to collect the Zero Matter, and apparently um, he's going... He. he he went to the bank one day and he was really inspired <laughs> by the tubes at the bank where you'd like drive up and you put your little check in the pneumatic tube thing and you and it gets sucked up and yep. sent over to the bank teller because that's the system he's got for retrieving a sample of the zero matter. Yeah, my notes is like, I, I guess zero matter can be vacuumed. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because he sends over a canister and like... It's It, like, inserts, like, a needle into the big jar where this really big blob of thrashing black goo was. And it gets sucked up into this much smaller canister. So zero matter doesn't care about your laws of physics. Well, it's, it's zero matter. Get it? Yeah. Huh? 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 Okay, anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and... And so he gets, he extracts all the zero matter. He's got it in the tube. And then as he's about to put it in this carry case that he's got, he looks up and sees a goddamn movie star. Yeah, the the goddamn movie star. Yeah. yeah, it would be like if we were in the middle of trying to steal something from our office and we looked up and there was Angelina Jolie. Like, that's the level of, huh, he's got going on. Yeah, agreed. And that's because that's fucking weird, because there is Whitney Frost. She looks yeah. great, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, like this, this coat that she's wearing. It's fashionable just, it looks, villain. <laughs> it looks amazing on her. She's got this pearl necklace thing going on, not that kind of pearl necklace. 
an actual necklace made of pearls. And uh, yeah, it, she just looks fantastic. And she's just smiling. And then we cut away to a triple threat Peggy Carter impromptu weaponry moment. Oh, for seriously? Yeah. <laughs> so on their way into Isodyne, she grabbed a tire iron from the trunk of the car that they had stolen. <laughs> so she's got that. So that's one thing. Because she goes up to these guys, these obvious like hired thugs mm-hmm. who are clearing out this lab and she has a lab coat on and she's looking like she fucking works there. And so she holds out a clipboard and she's like, you need to be out of here here. You need to sign this holds out the clipboard. The guy takes it and then she kicks the clipboard into his face. Ouch. And then proceeds to use the clipboard, a tire iron, tire iron, which is hard to say. Yeah. Um, and a belt. And a fucking, like a cargo strap. I thought it was like a strap for yeah, tying I, down the crates yeah, that they I were getting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't tell where she pulled it from. But yeah, some kind of a belt type strap thing. Yeah, she uses that thing like a fucking whip. Yeah. And that, just we, that sucked. <laughs> kicks, kicks the shit out of like three big grown men. And like, you go, girl. Of course. You just, you just, you just do that thing that you do so well. I love it. <laughs> so good. Anyway, so that's Peggy. She's having a big old fight. Meanwhile, Whitney Frost tells Wilkes that she's surprised to see him alive. (gasps) What? Why would she be surprised, Steph? Why does this movie star know about the people trying to kill him tonight? Mm -hmm. And also, why is she so interested in this particular thing? Right. Why is she telling him to give her the zero matter? What is going on? Miss Frost, you have no idea what this stuff is capable of. Oh, on the contrary. I am the only person who knows what it's capable of. What does that mean? What is happening? <laughs> are you an actress or aren't you? What's going on? You Why do you have a gun? Are you a superhero? What's going on? What's happening? But she pulls a gun. Yeah. Because she, she's, she's threatening him. Give me the zero matter. Put it in the case and give that to me. And he's like, look... It's apparently you are part of the people that are trying to kill me tonight anyway. So no, I'm not giving it to you. And I think you might be smart enough to know you shouldn't shoot me while I'm holding this. Because I guess if he drops the the jar and it breaks, that's bad. Right. Yeah. Which we find out in like two seconds later because they get in a tussle over the zero matter. It drops and it breaks. And the zero matter gets out. Oh my God. And they see it start spinning up in this big, crazy, angry black hole thing. And they both have, like, looks of total shock on their faces while yeah. they're staring at it. And Wilkes just goes, run. Oh, my God. And they try to run. But there's a big, crazy, black, shadowy boom. And, like, the shockwave of it goes all the way outside to Peggy where she's still stomping on people. Yeah. <laughs> and she turns around and she's like, what? She's huh, horrified. And she runs inside to where the boom came from, which is this room is obviously where it came from. But there's nobody here. Yeah. Wilkes is gone. And there's a big ass hole. Yeah. Whitney Frost is gone, but Peggy didn't know Whitney Frost was even there. And there's a giant fucking hole inside of the building. Yeah. And so is Wilkes dead? Well, there was an explosion and he was in there. So, Yeah. Anyway, so then we cut oh, you to jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying shit. I, got, I was I ain't so upset. Saying I was shit. like, where, where did my man go? <laughs> like they were gonna bang it out after this. They were gonna I, get I, married, I have knew. children, and then Steve Rogers is gonna show up and be like, get 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 away from her. No, he would show up and be like, so polycule. Then that's what this is. <laughs> right? Because then then it's then you can have a three. <gasps> then you can have a threesome. <laughs> oh my god. 
that Steve Rogers and Jason Wilkes. Oh my god! <laughs> look, look, fanfic writers. If if this hasn't already been written, I need somebody to write and that. Stat. I'll read it. I'll I'll, re- I'll read it out loud. I don't care. Write it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, God. Um. So it's a disaster scene at Isodine because there was a giant fucking explosion. Right. And. There's EMTs everywhere, and there's it's cordoned off, and there's places crawling with with first responders. Souza and Jarvis walk up just in time to hear an EMT say, "Don't bother. There's no way anybody survived that." God damn. Yeah. And at first they're thinking Peggy's dead too, but Peggy, exactly. But Peggy walks out, but she looks. She's she's rough, but pause yeah. here. This is one of those moments where I wish they could take a beat. I know. If they could just let this moment sit, if we could let them frantically scan the crowd for five fucking seconds, because there was no time. They didn't have time to sit there and think, my God, she might actually be dead. And then, you know, you, you, you're scanning the crowd and you've got hope, but your hope is slowly dying the longer it takes you to find the face of the person you love in this disaster scene. But we didn't get that because they're moving so fast mm-hmm. through this episode. They didn't have time to let that moment breathe. Yeah. And that sucks. Anyway, Peggy's fine-ish. She's okay. She's whole of limb anyway. I mean, think about uh, think about everything she's gone through in one day. Right? You know. Like it's been a day. Yeah. It's it's been a fucking day. She's in total shock. Peggy doesn't rattle easily, but here's the thing is Peggy Peggy has never been comfortable with putting civilians in harm's way. Never. And Jason Wilkes was just a civilian trying to do the right thing. And she sent him alone to go deal with something. She doesn't even really know what. And it got him killed as far as she can see. Sad. So she, yeah, she's in total shock. And she starts to, like, babble out. She sees Sousa and starts to try to, like, babble out, like, an after-action report. Just a, a, a rundown of everything that happened. And Sousa's like, whoa. This unregistered, highly volatile scientific discovery. Bing, stop. Are you okay? Um, yes, I'm fine. Okay, we're done here. How about you get some rest? You could tell when he rushes up to her that he's just... Fuck it. He just needs to check her and make sure she's okay. And and he has he's so full of all this concern for her. But when he realizes the state that she's in, he's like, okay, I gotta I gotta be the calm one here. Mm-hmm. I can't make this moment about me and how worried I was. I can't imagine he's seen her like this that often. Ever. Yeah. Ever. If ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he's he does the the wonderful thing of tabling his anxieties about this, setting that aside because that's not what this moment is about. Uh, and doing what Peggy needs, not what he needs to reassure himself about her, but what she needs, which is to be sent the fuck home. Wow. And that was really great. That was a really great moment. I thought it was beautifully done because that was all on Enver Jokai's face. Mm-hmm. Right. That was so good. Anyway, uh, so Peggy asks Jarvis to please give her a ride home. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm really upset. I'm trying not to cry watching this. And like, ugh, I hate hate these writers. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's a long fucking night. There's yeah. a lot. Uh, Souza is, you know, the chief of the SSR here. And this is a big, he's a science cop. And this is a big science cop situation. So he's been busy all fucking night. Mm-hmm. So it's broad daylight by the time he's driving home. And who, who should be waiting for him on his doorstep? Violet, his girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she's clearly about to go to work. She's in her nurse whites. Yeah. And she's like, hi, I think you've had a long night, and I thought you probably didn't eat, so I bought you donuts. 
And you know what? It was probably the same fucking racist ass donut oh, shop. Oh goddamn! I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh. Fuck. Uh, speaking of which, did you, do you recognize that street? Um, it looks really familiar. Like it looked like L.A. Confidential. Uh huh. Uh, it is. Uh, this is the Universal Studios backlot area in Ooh. one of the most filmed locations in the entire world. Uh, it has been used in so many TV shows. More specifically, if you look at the house two downs to the left, uh, two mm-hmm. houses to the left, that would be Wanda's house. What? The, this is the same street that they film WandaVision on. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta go back. I gotta go yeah. back and look at it. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I looked it up. Uh, uh, WandaVision was filmed in what uh, Universal calls, uh, Universal Studios calls this officially the Wisteria Lane uh, oh, wow. uh, street because. Desperate Housewives was, Desperate Housewives, was yeah. filmed here the longest. Uh, so uh, if you're lucky enough to go on the backlot tour and they're actually not filming anything, which at this point has been very rare, that street has been busy year round. And I haven't been, I haven't seen that street in a very long time, but they have filmed WandaVision there. They filmed, um, God, they filmed so much there. Uh, so, but for, for Marvel purposes, uh, that's the same street that WandaVision is. That's takes fucking place on. crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, Susan's like, I'm sorry that I ditched on our dinner and everything. And he, he can tell that he's like, he's exhausted, but he's like expecting her to be mad. Uh, but she's not. She says, my boyfriend catches bad guys and I'm very proud of him. And she's so sweet. And they tell Aww. each other that he, they say, I love you. And you can tell Sousa has a thought where he's like, I've got a ring in my pocket. I could put it on this, this magnificent woman right now. But he doesn't. But he doesn't, because now now he's his hesitating and he has doubts because Peggy Peggy has come to show him that he loves her. Ugh. Damn it! Anyway, speaking of Peggy, she's really upset. Uh, Anna brings her some whiskey. It's like six in the morning. Yeah. But go ahead, have some whiskey. <laughs> and Jarvis said uh, you should bring some tea, but I I thought better of it. I thought whiskey. I thought whiskey was better. And Peggy's like, oh, uh-huh, and she starts drinking. Um, Drinks and like yeah, water. You, she's really upset. Yeah, uh, and she's like, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so. Upset. I only knew him for a few days, and Anna says, uh, Edwin saved me after he knew me for a few weeks. Like they only knew each other for a few weeks, and Edwin was forging papers and stealing airplanes and doing whatever he could to rescue Anna from the Third Reich. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Doesn't take long to realize you met someone special. And Jason Wilkes was very special. Yeah. Or you're a dumb bitch like me and you just settle for the whatever person will show you affection and you do some stupid shit with them. Wow. <laughs> we are unpacking a lot for you tonight. I need you to get a therapist because I'm not your therapist <laughs> in the therapist's podcast. I mean, Remember how I told you I don't talk to you about stuff because you don't necessarily uplift me? This is what we're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm situation. just saying... I'm just, I wouldn't mind talking to you about it. I'm just like, maybe we don't talk about it with the couple thousand people that are also listening. Okay? <laughs> I do it for comedy. Maybe we don't. <laughs> is that what that is? Okay. <laughs> that was comedy and not at all concerning. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> fucking kill me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, God. Um, this is just more of, of Peggy still totally not being okay with the danger that her line of work puts civilians in. Like, the war was so much cleaner and clearer in that regard. Right. There were there were soldiers and there were not soldiers, and only soldiers got put in deliberate danger. Damn it. So And that's a theme that's gonna happen over and over again in the Marvel Universe, by the way. Yeah. 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 
It's the whole innocent bystanders thing. Anyway, but we cut to... Oh my god, what's gonna happen? Uh, we cut to Miss. We get we cut to a scene where we're at uh, in Miss Frost. Her, was it her dressing room or her? Or her it was her dressing room, room again. Okay. Yeah, and she's hiding and behind the, the the dressing wall. Uh huh. There's it's one of those those folding screens that you right. put up in a room so you can change behind it. And she's yeah. shivering because she's cold. And there's a fucking black vein thing on her forehead. What? Uh huh. What's and gonna Chadwick, happen? But we don't know her husband. No yeah. husband, right? Well, no, her husband's at the door. Oh, right, right. He's banging on the door. He's like, Whitney, Whitney, I need to talk to you. There was an accident at Isodyne. Uh, all the zero matter is gone. Whitney. Yeah. But then Whitney moves her hair, and you can see a shiny black vein ah. has appeared on the side of her forehead. Maybe all the zero matter isn't gone. Maybe it's inside her. Ah! <laughs> Well, and, and then that's scene. the end of the that's episode. The end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking goddamn. <laughs> uh, so, um, where do you think this is going? Mister, I've never watched this show before. Well, I, I, I'm hoping. Well, I, I, I'm hoping Miss Frost gets some superpowers. <laughs> I'm hoping she comes. I'm hoping she fucking murders that director first of all. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, I think she's going to take over, and she's going to be a thorn in Peggy's side. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, is Wilkes actually dead? I don't know. Is, is Violet actually a super spy woman? Probably. Uh, and then, of course, what about, where is Sousa going to fall in all this? And then, most importantly, where is my girl? Yeah. Most and fucking importantly, where's Dottie? Where the fuck is Dottie? Where is yeah. she? When is she going to pop up again? So, there's a lot. She's in FBI custody back on the East Coast, Supposedly. apparently. So we'll see what happens. Uh, there is a lot coming to a hit. Like it feels like this is only the second episode of the season, but it feels like we're already halfway through the season with all the shit that's already happened. Yeah, so. I mean, imagine what they could have done with a twenty episode. Oh, season. It, it's such a shame. Oh, what a fucking crime! I know. Anyway, um, so yeah, we will see how all of that plays out as we move on through Agent Carter. Uh, do you have anything else for this episode? Nope. All right. So then next time we will be talking about Agent Carter Season 2, Episode 3, Better Angels. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but that's it for today. That's it for then, today. I guess. Okay, we're going to outro. You ready? You Holy ready? shit, well, ready. We, we kept it just under two hours. <laughs> okay, well, not if you keep talking. We're not. So <laughs> shut the fuck up. All right, cool. All right. I'm going to outro now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Or do you have some more confessions that you would like to, to no, deliver I'm, to I'm, the public? I'll, I'll save it for next time. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate that. If you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, uh, you totally can. Uh, we mm-hmm. encourage this behavior. Uh, you can find us on the social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Marvelous underscore Divas, except on Facebook where we're at The Marvelous Divas for reasons that I'm still bitter about. Yeah, that's gonna keep. That's gonna be a thing forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, again, y'all, you can find us. Uh, you can find Marvelous Divas on any podcast platform that you use. Uh, you listen to podcasts on. Uh, please subscribe. Please tell your friends. And if you happen to use a podcast platform that has a rating system, please leave mm-hmm. us a review. The ratings really help us get found and discovered by other people. And if you happen to use a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts where you can leave a written review, uh, please do that too. That would really we would really appreciate it. And if it's a five star review. We will try to read it on the air. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, if you guys can hook up with us, not hook up with us, hook up, but no, anyway, yeah, no. Um, we online, have a no, a no, hook, no hook up with listener rule. It's and that had to be established for a reason that we will not be getting into right now. Oh my god! Anyway, find us on social media, uh, particularly you know in the next couple of weeks or so because we've got some big things coming up and we're going to want some of your input. Absolutely. On that. So you know, find us. It's going to be great. Okay. Okay. Are we? Is that it? That's it. We're done. All right then. Okay. Bye. bye. How you feeling? How 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 am I feeling right yeah. now? I'm feeling like a half busted can of biscuits. If I'm being truly <laughs> honest, you know that moment where you get you have a can of biscuits and you you, no. you gotta like unwrap them. You do. You've done a fucking can of biscuits. Don't play. And you unwrap them and you got the little. You got to press on the seam and you got to squeeze it and it's terrifying. And then when it finally does pop, it's all like Bleh, out of the can. <laughs> Uh-huh. Can you do that? Can you do that sound again, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's me right now. I am a half busted can of biscuits. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it. That whole image right there. That's how I feel. I yeah, I my soul. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to know where my head went there uh when you said can of biscuits. So I do actually. No, no. No, no I do. I'm I'm a grown up. I I asked for this. Where'd your head go there, Chris? I mean, it's 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 to insert my <laughs> into something. Duh. That's that's I'm a guy. That's where it always leads up goes to. You know? <laughs> is it is it like? <laughs> remember, there's that one gag. I don't know if it was on Saturday Night Live or Mad TV or something, but <laughs> like guy that like wants to dip his balls in stuff. I'm gonna dip my balls in it, and he like holds up a couple of ping pong balls. What? No, I and do people, not know that. People offer I... up various things, like this plate of hummus. I'm gonna dip my balls in it. That guy? Hmm. I, I'm not familiar with this skit, but that sounds like a great idea. Well, my favorite one was he shows up at the Last Supper. Oh, God. And Jesus is like trying to do the whole, okay, this bread you eat is my body. This wine you drink is my blood. One of you will deny me. One of you. And then I want to dip my balls. In it. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude, try this wine right here. Oh, wine? I want to dip my balls. Okay. So then. That sounds like a mad TV skit. <laughs> and then he lures like all of the apostles away to go find other things for him to dip his balls in. And then the Pharisees guards show up and they're like, hey, we're looking for Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there at the table by himself. And he's like, yeah, he went that way. He's the one that's trying to dip his balls in stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Loving it. So that's somehow related to trying to fuck a can of biscuits.